choice but to totally destroy North Korea. everyone, this is Matthew Beers, your host at Forecast Roundtable. Today we'll be continuing our discussion regarding the international military markets year-end in review. We'll be joined by Dan Darling, Sean McDougall, and Derek Bisakio. Before we begin, I wanted to speak briefly about the company that's hosting the podcast, Forecast International. Forecast International reports are the aerospace and defense industry standard, for accurate research, analysis, and market projections. Let Forecast International be a key part of mastering your particular market's growth. Visit us at forecastinternational.com. There's always a balancing act between uh, continuing to buy or upgrade legacy systems versus developing developing future uh, cutting-edge technology. it, It changes year to year. Yeah. Um, you know, for the U.S., previous budget cycles, there have been times where they've canceled, you know, big advanced programs. You go back to the Army's future combat systems where they right. wanted to revamp, you know, the entire uh, segment of, of ground systems. Um, and, you know, when they were trying to buy, um, you know, the old Comanche helicopter, right. they eventually ended up canceling these things and sticking with upgrading legacy systems, you know, keeping the Bradley and Abrams uh, combat vehicles, uh, upgrading the Apache helicopters. Um, so at that time, the U.S. said it's more affordable to keep these legacy systems and keep them in the field. They've they've served well. But then as more advanced systems from other countries come out, then you have to rebalance, recheck that equation and rebalance right. it. And so now the U.S. is shifting and saying the legacy systems aren't going to hold up as well right. 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Uh, it's time to look at the next generation. Right. It's, it's maintaining combat readiness while looking 10 years, 20 years down the road. Um, I mean, you know, Russia and China have their vanity projects, uh, but it's not their entire focus. What, what, is, what is China's focus? Uh, what are they doing with aircraft carriers? Do they really need them? And they're saying they're going to have four by 2030 or 2035. I don't know if they will, but they'll put the money into it. Right. And they're a shipbuilding giant right, right. now. Their Navy keeps adding new warships, uh, you know, by the, the double digits every year. So and that's a major driver. Of it's a major driver, but the reality for China and Russia isn't necessarily fighting the U.S. on its own terms. They're right. looking at asymmetric means, whether right. it's disrupting command and control networks and, and right. you know, digital communications or um, long-range missiles that prevent uh, U.S. troops from uh, or, or Army service branches from encroaching upon their doorstep, so to speak. Um, keep them, like a boxer, keeping the opponent at bay. Yeah. And that's really their approach. I don't really think Russia is looking to go to war with France and Britain over Estonia. But if they can, <laughs> you know, but if they can um, exert their influence in their, in what they regard as their realm, right. um, that's a victory for them. And if they have a strong standing military, that's provides them with more diplomatic help. You have to have the hard power to couple the soft power. And Russia only has so much money that 
they can afford to dole out right. to curry favor with their client states. So, so they keep pushing until it's a little bit too much, then they'll go back. Right. And China is expanding with its One Belt, One Road um, right. initiative. Which is huge. It's huge. But they've alarmed so many countries, you know, in South Asia, in even in Europe, that right. it's kind of a half and a half backfire on them it might they're they're being a little smarter in the last year or two and not other than the south china sea right. not being as belligerent in their right. approach and they like to uh, loan countries giant sums of money for infrastructure projects they don't need and then right. keep them in their debt right and that's one effective way they've utilized their macro economic power but going back to the whole global defense spending and where we see it going um it'd be uh we'd be remiss to mention economic headwinds um germany went into recession at the end of 2018 uh france is plunging towards recession and they never grow anyway um italy is is also following suit Brexit is coming. Brexit's coming, and, uh, coming uh, and a, a, a noticeable um, om, om, omission, if you will, from our uh, or, or or area that that didn't really uh, see a whole lot of growth, which is theoretically surprising, would be the Middle East. Um, which, given surprising. yeah, given yeah. the ongoing conflicts in, in, in the Middle East, uh, be they insurgencies or uh, tension between, say, Iran and Saudi Arabia, right. um, or Saudi Arabia um, and and uh, Qatar. There would be an expectation that you would see uh, dramatic dis- defense spending growth, and yeah. and and we really saw that that started tapering off right about in 2014, 2015, yeah, uh, as energy prices started collapsing. Okay, nice that put a lot of pressure on budgets in the region. Right. Um, Saudi Arabia, in particular, um, their budget has fallen probably by well to, by now by about 20 to 30 billion from its highs just before the collapse of energy prices. Right. Um, that doesn't mean they're not still buying things, they're actually still importing probably at a faster rate, and they're dipping into reserves to be able to do that. But at least in terms of general defense spending and what they what they acknowledge, now that's always a, you know tough to um, kind of get a grapple on what exactly these countries spend on defense, because they're not always as transparent. Right. Um, they don't always reveal what they, what they spend on defense. UAE and Qatar, for example, don't provide any figures. Okay. Um, and so that can, that can make it tricky. But it really, there hasn't been a whole lot of growth, and that's mainly because they're starting to have to um, trim their budgets. They're looking at diversifying their uh, economies, so that's right. requiring these massive economic programs. In yeah. Saudi Arabia, there's the Vision 2030 yeah. um, plan. Uh, I know some of their neighbors have similar plans as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're looking to um, <laughs> kind of move beyond energy, but that's, r- right. that's really tough to restructure oh, those course, economies. Yeah. It's, it's and tough, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so in the meantime, uh, defense spending, I think has been kind of depressed and even with energy prices, at least coming back up from the, from the, the, the pits that, right. that it was in in 2015, 2016, I think you've still seen kind of weak, um, defense spending Smart. and that's, yeah, Smart it's, move. Yeah, and so that's it's kind of, they've by by this point I think it's it's de- well it's definitely reached its bottom a few years ago so it's right. it's certainly recovered, um, 
but it's not um, growing at the sort of rapid pace that you might expect if you were to pay attention, you know, just to the news headlines. And you look at all the countries throughout the Middle East and either they're involved in, you know, in an ongoing conflict or um, there, you know, there's conflict right on their doorstep. Uh, So, you know, Israel, for example, um, has been carrying out a number of airstrikes in Syria. Um, They're worried about Iran's uh, deployment of missiles in Syria or their their supply of arms to Hezbollah. That's a regular yeah. concern, obviously. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Syria, Iraq, they're embroiled in conflict. Saudi Arabia is fighting in Yemen right. uh, alongside the UAE. Um, but you haven't really seen um, dramatic defense spending growth in the the second half, kind of of this of this decade. <laughs> Did you know that Forecast International produces free podcasts? Visit our website at forecastinternational.com. Click on the Media Center tab and then on Forecast Roundtable to listen to our industry experts discuss the latest hot topics. I suppose the good thing is that uh, global defense spending is rising. It's going to continue to rise. So for uh, the defense industry... (laughs) Good news, everybody's going to be making money. <laughs> right. Well, how much is mitigated by inflation in some of these countries? Right. India's budget goes up by significant amounts, but it's negligible in buying power right. between the, you know, the rupee on the global exchange markets yeah. and inflation. They're, they're not really able to buy much. And what they right. do buy... Well, what they do spend on modernization is is um, legacy programs that are always already in the pipeline or right. are nearing completion of delivery. Yeah. So they're buying yesterday's yeah. products and, and upkeeping to the best of their ability yeah. what they do have, and they're not able to upkeep a lot of those fighter squadrons. Um, yeah, those, so, those Jaguars. They've been yeah. working on the Jaguars. Yeah, the Darren upgrade has been um, going on forever. <laughs> um, speaking of countries that seem to be um, roughshod at best in procurement and in defense policy, Sean, why don't you touch on Canada, who is one of our countries noted for being uh, – one of the biggest losers in 2018. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, they, they've, Canada's had a, a long-running uh, problem with, one, living up to defense spending increase promises, and two, following through on uh, procurement programs. Um, they actually saw a pretty significant decrease in spending from 2017 to 2018, right. which actually wasn't originally planned, and the reason for the drop was the result of an un unplanned injection of funding in 2017 for personnel and pensions right and so that actually inflated that's, 2017 that's yeah. figures <laughs> and then so 20 Paying these military people work for free <laughs> or they're retired military officers oh, and, and personnel yeah, yeah that, so that that's too. a big issue in india and it's definitely a big issue in europe yeah and will be it will be here at some oh point, yeah, that's going to be anywhere where a there's surprise. a professional military. Yeah, it's a concern. Yeah, anyway. and I mean, you know, I'm mean, talking about the like we said before about the personnel costs. It hits Canada, it hits the U.S. I and mean, when we talk about U.S. defense spending, that typically typically doesn't include you know Veterans Affairs and um, you know personnel spending after the fact. Right. So if you include those types of numbers, you know, defense spending. Um, in a broader sense, is even higher. Um, and so it's an even bigger requirement. But, yeah, going back to Canada as sort of one of the, the 
largest uh, decreases in defense spending that we saw in 2018. They, Canada continuously tries to push out defense spending growth plans, and they typically end, end up uh, fizzling out. Right. Um, it's, they've had a hard time living up to uh, their projected increases. Yeah. Uh, the previous conservative government had scaled back spending as, as a response to higher deficits. Right. And, and they were bringing the deficit essentially back to zero. Uh, Justin Trudeau, his government has increased domestic spending. So the deficit has gone higher, and that's likely going to uh, put increased pressure on Canada's top line. Makes sense. Um, it's funny how they increase spending but not defense spending, Sean. Yeah, well, they've <laughs> a year and a half ago, the Canada released their uh, latest defense strategy, which actually called for significant increase in defense spending. But I've yet to see in their budget documents any follow-through on that. <laughs> and, and by the way, um, can I ask, um, is that document, is, are those years after the next election? Because that's always a favorite ploy of countries like Sweden and Finland and, and you know, others in Europe where they, they put these def- long-range defense plans out. France even did it under right. their uh, latest um, military planning law, which outlines right. their equipment spending. And it's noticeable that the bulk of the spending is after the next election. Yeah, so some of it was backloaded. And, of course, what's sort of curious is if you go even beyond at the really tail end of their 10-year outlook, they actually show defense spending dropping pretty significantly. So even this huge defense increase plan is only a temporary. And the, the concerning thing for Canada is when they announced this huge uh, spending increase, they didn't announce any new acquisition programs. Uh, because uh, essentially it, it was a <laughs> red flag. It's not as if they don't have a laundry was, list of Yeah, it was a, needs. a realization that all the programs they had on the books, they have not been accounting for. And so if these plans for larger budgets don't come, tr- uh, you know, don't materialize, they're going to, they're not going to be able to afford some of their um, major acquisition programs going forward. Why would you? I mean, Canada, if something happens on the border of Canada, the United States is going to deal with it. Why would you, uh, you know, as... as the Those are the assumptions minister, the Europeans made for 40-something years, with the exception exactly. of France, France, Britain, and, and, you know, mid-tier countries like yeah. Italy and Spain, and, and, and a little bit like the Netherlands. They, they maintained a, a certain core capability, but right. particularly after the Cold War ended, they just yeah. shed so much of their militaries. Right. And while you don't need as much mass firepower now in the modern age, the digital age, as you right. did um, previously, because of the advancements in technology, you still have to have capability of some sort well it'll it'll backfire if um you and know canada we're has in southeast asia canada has needs in the there? high north in the arctic yeah, canada sure. has a, a, i yeah. believe the world's largest coastline is that correct yeah. yeah so they have plenty of at least low-end security requirements as waterways Coast are guards, opening up. Yeah, and, yeah and the russians have, have been very aggressive about their Arctic claims. So, yeah, yeah, the Ar- it, Arctic sovereignty it, issue for Canada yeah. has been one of their primary domestic. I mean, it has it, been for Norway for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think it, for the Canada, it outpaces probably some of their uh, overseas concerns. Oh, They've really scaled yeah. scaled back, uh, you know, contributions to combat operations. They focus more on training um, overseas, peace, but at, at a small peace level, building peacekeeping, peacekeeping. Peace um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that they, they, they've, they've, they've had, if you, you know, just one example, I and mean, they've, Canada has been trying to buy a, a, a UAV for more than a decade. Not working out. And it's, they still haven't procured anything. It's, this isn't, they're not trying to develop some advanced concept, right. you know, stealth. They, they just need a, a long range surveillance and reconnaissance drone. Yeah, and it's they, not an R&D project. It. It's just a mere gap filler project. Yeah, just, just, and you see it with uh, them um, looking to buy or about to get used Australian F-18s. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, you just, and, yeah. and then there's their national shipbuilding plan. So are they taking uh, tips from the Indian defense procurement <laughs> model? The, They're the both 10, equally. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think the Indian model is more um, dysfunctional and right. Canada. It's more deferred deferred. I think that would be a polite political way of saying right. it. But, um, you know, I, I, one thing I do want to hit on going back to the 2% metric for NATO is right. that after 2014, at the Wales Summit, um, they did outline a requirement to earmark 20 to 25 percent of defense budgets towards procurement and right. modernization. Right. So some countries aren't hitting the 2 percent metric, but they're right. hitting the um, capitalization modernization metric. Right. Uh, but obviously in the case of Canada, which is an extreme laggard right. and... Um, you know, Germany, uh, there's a uphill climb, to well, say the least. Well, if they stop paying soldiers, this could just all be fixed, so... Well, one of the problems is that it seems to be all they are paying. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, you have to balance that. You have to find the right budget ratios for um, upkeep, for uh, recruitment retention, and yeah. personnel expenses, housing, yeah, and, and for firepower capabilities it is yeah. an army it's not a police force right so yeah all right um anything else from anyone we good awesome discussion thanks for uh, coming can't wait till next time thank you everyone for joining us today catch us next time at forecast roundtable now that we're done, I wanted to speak some more about Forecast International. Forecast International has a build-your-own-library feature where you can customize your own civil, military, aerospace, military electronics, land and sea weapons, and power systems libraries. Libraries include our International Military Market series. Forecast International's International Military Markets products examine the spending practices, force structures, equipment requirements, and military budget projections of over 120 countries in seven regions. Reports detail how economic, political, and security trends are shaping their respective defense markets. This is 100% absolutely the best information you can get for your PMSE A-scope analyses. Visit us at forecastinternational.com. Thank you.